invite you to open up God's Word with me this morning to uh, the New Testament letter to the Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, as we continue our look uh, at this series leading up to Easter and surrounding Easter, looking at why Jesus is better. Uh, And uh, the author of this text makes that case clearly uh, and decisively for us and uh, for our benefit. May we glean from it. But God is a God who never leaves us. He doesn't forsake us. He invites us to know Him and to follow Him, a story, uh, a truth uh, that's recounted in His Word. And so time and time again, we come to His Word and we invite Him to speak to us. We want to hear from Him and be led by Him. This morning, we're in Hebrews chapter 2 to begin with, chapter 2, verse 17. And then we'll look mostly at chapter 7, verses 23 through 28. And if you don't have Uh, a copy of the scriptures. Let me invite you to take a pew Bible and you can find uh, this first text on on page 969. So as you find your place in God's word, let me uh, encourage you, invite you to join our custom here uh, and join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, and then chapter 7, verses 23 through 28. The author writes, For this reason, Jesus had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Now, if you'll skip over a page or two to chapter 7, beginning in verse 23, he continues. He says, Now there have been many of those priests, since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men and all their weakness. But the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks to us. And Father, we thank you for your son, our savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for your spirit. Uh, that resides in believers. We thank you for your Spirit's presence with us this morning. We pray that you would speak to us now. Father, we acknowledge that you are God and we are not, and we need to hear from you to be led by you. We want to be instructed by you and conformed more and more into the image of your Son. Lord, guide us now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, you may be seated. Well, roughly 1,700 years ago, Uh, In the year 325 A.D., uh, the emperor Constantine summoned Christian leaders together for a meeting, for a council, for a a world gathering for the church to settle an ongoing debate that was threatening both its unity and its orthodoxy. Now, truth be told, Constantine was far more interested in the political unity of his empire than he was the doctrinal unity of the church, Uh, and so he exerted his authority uh, in an effort to settle this ongoing debate. The debate concerned who Jesus is. The debate was over the identity of Jesus and the council. It's called the Council of Nicaea. And they wrestled with this question. 
Was Jesus less than God or was he fully God? Was Jesus less than God or was he fully God? Is he fully God? Was he with God in the beginning? Is he the image of the invisible God as our choir saying, as the scriptures declare? Or was he simply created by the Father to, to be a God, to be an agent of salvation? So the issue was really over the word begotten. John chapter 3 verse 16, the gospel of John states, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. John chapter 1, verse 2, that same gospel says, He, meaning the Son, the Savior, was with God in the beginning. Begotten, but in the beginning. Implying that there was never a time when He was not. So church leaders and theologians came together to debate the nature of, of Jesus. And the majority present agreed upon this creed, these words. Listen to what they uh, penned. They said, We believe in one God, the Father, all sovereign, maker of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, they said, begotten of the Father, only begotten, that is, of the substance of the Father, God of God, light of light, uh, true God of true God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father. Through him all things were made, things in heaven and things on earth, who was for men and for our salvation, uh, came down and was made flesh and became man. He suffered and rose on the third day, ascended into the heavens, is coming to judge the living and the dead and in the Holy Spirit. You may uh, recognize some of that uh, language. This is a creed that was altered, a statement of faith that was altered and expanded over uh, the years. But this was the uh, original text they adopted. And then they went on and they said a bit more. It's original uh, words that came out of that council. They added this and they said, And uh, those who say there was a time when he was not... And before he was begotten, he was not. And that he came into being from what is not, or those who allege that the Son of God is of another substance or essence or created or changeable or alterable. They said these the Catholic and apostolic church anathematizes. Now the use of the word Catholic there, not a reference in that day to the Roman Catholic Church, but to the universal church. So here were representative leaders of many local churches coming together and saying that this is, this is important, this is distinct. Anathematizes mean those who reject this idea, who claim something different about Jesus, they say we excommunicate them, we break off fellowship with them and claim them to be false churches. Now why would this be such a big deal? I can see it in your eyes. Some of you are thinking, preacher, don't go, we didn't come for this. Does this matter? Tell us something that matters. Does the nature or identity of Jesus really matter that much? And the answer is, it does. It does, and this is why. Because the identity of Jesus Christ is what makes our salvation possible. Because of who he is, Jesus is able to represent us. Church, Jesus represents us. He represents us. A priest is a mediator, someone who represents people to God and who represents God to the people, someone who stands in between the two parties and is entrusted to speak or to act on behalf of both parties. In the secular world, we might think of an attorney who represents us in the court of law. What is it they say around here, around our state about uh, attorney Alexander Shinar, they say this is meant for the people, right? And to be for someone, you've got to know them. You need to know their situation. You need to know their predicament. You need to care about them. You need to be able to help them. The author of Hebrews says in chapter 2, verse 17, for this reason, Jesus had to be made like them. 
It is made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. It goes on in chapter 4, verse 15. The author says, For we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. And yet he did not sin. You see, a a true mediator needs to understand both parties. The Bible teaches that Jesus understands both parties because he stands fully as a member, so to speak, of both parties. The guilty, that is us, sinners who've transgressed, who've rebelled against God, he stands as a member of our race and the one to whom we are guilty, God himself. Only one who is both God and man can serve as the true mediator between God and man. Paul says this rather clearly in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. He says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. You see, because Jesus is fully God and fully man, he came uh, and, and came to, to mediate. He can mediate fully between the holy and just and righteous and eternal God and rebellious fallen humanity. Jesus represents us. And part of his priestly role as one who represents us is that he intercedes for us. Jesus intercedes for us. Meaning he prays for us. The Son of God, incarnate, fullness of God in human flesh, he prays for us. Verse 23, he's, author of Hebrews says, Now there have been many of those priests, speaking of previous priests, priests who came before Christ, since death prevented them from continuing in office. In other words, they were human, so they died. And so somebody had to pick up the mantle. Someone had to replace them. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. The emphasis here on Jesus' ongoing, permanent, priestly role is intentional. So don't miss it. Arthur says in verse 24, Jesus lives forever. He says he is a permanent priesthood. Verse 25, he is able, meaning right now he is able to save those who come. Why? Because he always lives to intercede for them. Brother, sister, follower of Jesus, Christian, Jesus is representing you right now. If you're a child of God who has turned to Jesus in faith and He is pleading your cause, He is praying to the Father on your behalf, on my behalf. Perhaps you're struggling with depression this morning. Know that the Son of God is interceding for you. Maybe you're overcome by an addiction. The Son of God is interceding for you. He's praying for you. Maybe you're grieving the horrendous pain of the loss of a spouse. The Son of God is interceding for you. Maybe you're struggling to figure out how you're going to pay next month's bills. Or maybe you're brokenhearted over the recent realization that your husband or wife has cheated on you. Christian, hear me today. The King of kings and Lord of lords understands your pain. And He is praying for you right now. Son of God and Savior of the world. Great and permanent high priest. It's a God who intercedes for us. Jesus intercedes for us and He does so right now. In His letter to the Romans, Paul agrees says in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, he says, Who then is the one who condemns? Who condemns? Who 
condemns these sinners before the Most High God, these who've come to me in faith. He says, no one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us right now. The one who defeated death for us exercises his permanent priesthood by interceding for us right now and forever. And forever, this is what he's going to do. In other words, there's never going to be a time, believer, when the Son of God and Savior of the world isn't interceding on your behalf because, verse 25, He always lives to intercede for them. His high priestly status is permanent because His life is permanent. Our scholar in residence here, Dr. Ben Birdsong, states it this way. He says, in Jesus we have a priest that lives forever. He is forever stationed to bridge our relationship with God the Father and to go to God on our behalf. That's that's really good. That's, That's what you're missing if you're not reading the Lent devotional guide. A priest's role involves mediation. A mediation that the scriptures describe as complete salvation, verse 25, or in some translations, saving to the uttermost. Salvation is being in right relationship with God, a kind of restoration and reconciliation that invites fellowship and friendship with God Most High, such that we become the recipients of His unfailing love. Church, this is what Jesus Our great high priest provides us, and because he has a permanent priesthood, verse 24, because he has a a permanent priesthood, the reconciliation and the relationship that he mediates for us is also permanent, meaning nothing can remove it from us. That's what Paul's saying as he continues on in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. He says, For I am convinced, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the presence, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, because Jesus represents us and intercedes for us right now and forever. Now, why is it that Jesus was and is able to do this? Why did God have to go to such drastic measures, an arrest, a beating, a trial, a bloodshed, a a cross? Couldn't religious folks simply go on offering up animal sacrifices through human priests? And the Bible says, no, we couldn't. No, because those were not sufficient and never meant to be permanent. Only temporary and preparatory for the perfect and permanent sacrifice. Friends, Jesus provided the perfect and permanent sacrifice sacrifice for us this is what he has done what's that little disclaimer that's often connected to legal advertisements meant to uh, protect us common folk from presuming too much upon an attorney that might represent us you've seen that little fine print or perhaps you hear it spoken quickly and, and, and quietly, something like no representation is made that the quality of the legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of the legal services performed by any other lawyer, right? Sometimes it even goes on. It says past results afford no guarantee, no guarantee of future results. Each matter is different and must be judged in its own merits. Well, friend, aren't, aren't you glad that 
we have a representative whose service on our behalf is greater than the quality of the temporary and flawed representatives who preceded him. And that his past record and results are a guarantee, a guarantee of his present and future ability to present us righteous before the Most High God, our Maker and Judge. The Hebrews says such a high priest truly meets our need. It's not a maybe. He does. He is sufficient. Such a, a high priest truly meets our need. Verse 26, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins. He never did that because he had no sin. And then for the sins of the people, he sacrificed for their sins, for our sins. Once and for all when he offered himself. You see, unlike the temporary priests of the Old Testament, this priest is flawless. He's holy, meaning he perfectly accomplishes God's requirements. He's blameless, meaning he is completely innocent. And he's pure, suggesting that though he became one of us, he was not contaminated by his interaction with us. He's set apart from us because of his sinlessness. The only one to be tempted in every way like us and yet to remain without sin. And friends, because he was fully human, because he's fully one of us, the fullness of God in human flesh, he became like us because he was fully human and yet without sin, he was perfectly positioned to die in the place of human sinners, the innocent for the guilty, the righteous for the unrighteous, the obedient for the disobedient, the holy, blameless and pure for the corrupt and blameworthy and profane. After all, that's what atonement is. That is at the heart of our faith. The heart of the message of the gospel that's portrayed in God's word. Think of atonement as at one meant. For atonement is the process through which a sinless, innocent party takes the punishment due a guilty party, thereby clearing the guilty party. We see this throughout the scriptures. See, way back in the Garden of Eden, the first indication of it, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they disobeyed God. What did God do? Provided an animal covering for them. A sinless animal, so to speak, whose life was taken in order to cover their nakedness. Physical provision that ultimately portrays spiritual provision, a spiritual reality. And of course, this goes on and on and on. Year after year after year, decade after decade after decade through the priestly and sacrificial system. And the central point of Hebrews is that this system is no longer needed. It is no longer necessary Because the perfect sacrifice has been given in Jesus and the eternal high priest of Christ permanently mediates our case before God. To quote Ben one more time. I'm not going to do this often, so don't get used to it, Ben. To quote Ben one more time. When Jesus said, it is finished at the cross, the system of reconciliation shifted from sacrifices offered in the temple to trusting in the forever sacrifice of Jesus. And so church, this is the central truth for us today. Jesus presents himself to God on our behalf. That's what he does. That is the gospel. Jesus Christ presents himself to God on our behalf. Have you ever been out to eat somewhere and had someone else buy your lunch? It's a good feeling. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Once or twice, I've been privileged to have that sort of thing happen where 
as a family. We sat down to eat and ran into someone we knew and then prepared to pay the bill at the end of the meal. And the waiter or waitress, waiter or waitress came to us and said, that, that gentleman who was sitting over there, he, he covered your bill. He, he took the payment. He, he paid it for you. Completely undeserved and unexpected. In church, when it comes to the debt, we have surmounted against the holy and righteous God Most High. The very Son of God incarnate has said, I've covered your bill. I've paid the price for you. The Son of God says to the Father, that man over there, he's one of mine. Uh, that young lady, she's, she's mine. This one's one of mine. I, I've got her. Got this one covered. Those over there, they, they've surmounted quite a bit of debt, but I've paid your wrath in full. They're on, on me. Friend, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you. This is what He's done for me. This is what Jesus has done for us. Believe His sacrifice is sufficient for you. Believe it to be so. Believe that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world, the Lamb who takes away our sins, believe His sacrifice is enough, that it is sufficient for you. And I think such faith in Christ, such biblical faith, saving faith, often gets hung up in one of two places. Either making too light of our sin. Christ, he didn't really need to go to that extent. I'm not really that bad of a person. Making too light of our sin against the Holy God or making too light of Christ's cross. I've, I've been too bad. God can never forgive me. You don't know what I've done. What road I've traveled. Friend, He went to the cross for you. His sacrifice is sufficient for you. Believe it. Trust in Him. At the end of the day, how we view our lives and how we live our lives and who we live for comes down to what we believe. Do you believe God's Word? Believe His Word. The Word of God that says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, we have been made holy. That's where this text goes. This is we believers. We have trusted in Jesus for salvation. We've been made holy. In other words, something, someone else did this to us. We, we can't do this on our own. We've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Are you trusting in, in Jesus? Have you been made holy? The reality is you need a Savior. I, I need a Savior. No one in this life doesn't need a Savior. You need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior, regardless of what you've done, His sacrifice is sufficient, for it is perfect and it is permanent. Believe His sacrifice is sufficient for you. And then, church, may we forever enjoy access to God through Jesus. May we enjoy access to God through Jesus. May we approach God confidently through the blood of Jesus Christ. May we cherish knowing God, for that is what our permanent priest provides us. He provides us access to God, a relationship with God. So walk with God. Walk with Him, talk with Him, trust in Him, get to know Him, delight in Him, for that is the gospel that we too may enter into the very presence of God, that Jesus presents Himself to God Most High on our behalf, so that we too may enter in. Come before Him confidently. Come before God confidently through the blood of Jesus and the mediation of your high priest. We close this morning by asking the question, do you know God? Do you know God? I'm asking if you know about God. Satan knows about God. Do you know God? Do you know Him personally, relationally, intimately? Are you right with Him? If not, you can be today.
You can be because there is a permanent priest who stands ready to mediate your relationship to God Most High. You can be right with God today. You can be right with God right now by putting your faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And if you do, Jesus will present himself to God on your behalf. And one day we're all going to stand before God. When you stand before God, will Jesus claim you as his own? Will he claim you as one of his own for whom he died? Or will you be standing on your own? Truth is, none of us can stand before God on our own. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. None of us have measured up. Good works will never enter give us entrance into his kingdom, never give us entrance into heaven, but we serve a God who has rescued us. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in. He has done this for us. He's brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, the Son the Father loves, the Son that you and I are called to know and follow and trust in and serve and love. Do you know this, Son? Are you living for him? Trust in him. Turn to him. Follow after Christ today. For Jesus stands ready. The permanent priest stands ready to mediate your, your case. To present himself to a holy and righteous and just and eternal God on your behalf. What a privilege we have to know him. To come before God confidently through Jesus Christ. Would you... Trust in Him today. If you don't know Him, if you don't know if you're right with Him, then you, where you are today, that you cry out to Him, you repent of your sin, you confess that you've lived a life for yourself, that you've lived a life of sin and self, and, and you believe Jesus has paid the price for you, that He is sufficient. Trust in Him. Express your desire to follow after Him now and forever. And then live for Him. Live for the Son of God and Savior of the world until he returns. Father, help us to live for Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to live according to the truths of your gospel. Help us to live by faith in you. Lord, a God who has spoken to us, a God who has rescued us, who's made himself known to us. Father, we don't understand everything about you. We don't understand everything in your word, but But your gospel truth is clear. Lord, your word is clear on this. You have spoken clearly and completely to us through your word that recounts the story of salvation through the blood of Jesus. Lord, may those who are gathered in this place on this day live for Jesus Christ. Lord, may we trust and may we follow now and forever. Guide us by your spirit. Convict us where we're in error draw us to you. It's in the name of Jesus and for his sake we pray. Amen.